0: From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarin. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Kalo Pasca, Christos Enesti, Alitos Enesti. Christ is risen, indeed, He is risen. A blessed Easter to my Orthodox Christian friends, family, and listeners. Uh, Owen Wolf is the technical producer. Ryan White is the live stream and YouTube channel producer. Now, there is no live stream tonight. That will return next week. So be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. And that way you'll get notifications when we go live. Incidentally, uh, in addition to the conspiracy show, this Radio program. You can also find episodes of my podcasts, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone and Conspiracy Unlimited, which we upload to the YouTube channel. Coming up in the second hour, paranormal investigator and researcher Joshua P. Warren will be here to discuss parasymatics and sigils. Now this hour, what does the Bible say about the Antichrist, his tactics and his motivation? Will we know where he has left his fingerprints? What do Muslims, Jews, and Christians believe about the end times? And will the Antichrist work through modern technology, especially artificial intelligence, to take over? Mark Biltz is founder of El Shaddai Ministries in Washington State. He's a well-known and popular commentator on the Feasts of the Lord and has produced a series of DVDs on the Feasts that have gone around the world. He's also the author of Blood Moons and God's Daytimer. His latest is Decoding the Antichrist and the End Times. Pastor Mark Biltz, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you?
1: Hey, doing great, Richard. So thankful that you allowed me to be back on your program.
0: We've reached you in Tennessee at a conference. Just tell me a little bit about what's going on down there.
1: Yes, we're having a a prophecy conference. Uh, The speakers are Perry Stone and Jonathan Kahn and uh, Bill Cloud, Joel Richardson, and myself. Uh, There's about 4,800 people here, and it is exciting. It's going great.
0: Decoding the Antichrist in the end times, what the Bible says and what the future holds. Just take a few moments and tell us, what does Revelation Uh, and what does the Old Testament tell us about the Antichrist?
1: Okay, sure. Great question. The the amazing thing about the book of Revelation, since you brought that up, is the fact that most people don't know there's over 600 references to the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. So it's hard to understand Revelation when we uh, don't see all the connections back. I mean, the Apostle John was Jewish, for heaven's sake, and everything he had in his Revelation was drawn from uh, what he read. And uh, the amazing thing that, uh, that I see in the connection here is uh, in the Apostle John's writings and in Paul's writing, it talks about how there were many antichrists in his day, and he says they came out from among us. And in Paul, uh, he says in his epistles that the, uh, Satan comes as an angel of light and his ministers as angels of right- ministers of righteousness. So, uh, what I see what's fascinating, and looking at the New Testament and the connections, is could the Antichrist, instead of being some heathen or a Muslim or a Jew, be a professing believer? I mean, after all, the devil already has the world deceived. He's trying to deceive the Christians.
0: Right, right. But he will also also deceive uh, Muslims. He will convince them. Oh, yeah. He's the 12th Imam. He will convince... Uh, the Jews, that he is their Messiah. He will convince Christians he is uh, the second coming of, of Christ.
1: How will he do yeah, that? Exactly. How, how will he do that? Well, one thing that I find fascinating is, you know, in, uh, when you, uh, in the book I talk about uh, the Islamic view of end times, the Jewish view of end times, as well as the Christian view of end times. And I don't believe the Antichrist is going to come across as, a, a you know, a demon with horns and a pitchfork. Uh, the two witnesses, and now uh, I'm not saying exactly who they are, but many people think it's going to be Moses and Elijah. Well, guess what? The Jews believe in two witnesses and Moses and Elijah coming back as well. So one thing that I thought would be fascinating, uh, and they're supposed to balance it out. Uh, because Moses and Elijah, or the two witnesses, uh, get killed, and they lay in the streets for three days or so, and then they're resurrected again. Well, I think the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to come as if they are the real Moses and Elijah, and the other ones are the Antichrist and the false prophet. So everyone's going to have to decide when they see these people they're battling it out, who is the good guys and who's the bad guys.
0: Do we get a physical description of the Antichrist in Revelation?
1: Uh, not necessarily. You do in Islam. In Islam, uh, it's called the Dajjal, uh, and, and they give a physical description, uh, but as far as uh, in the book of Revelation, more th- rather than a image profile, it's an uh, ethics profile. You know, uh, we need to profile the modus operandi of the Antichrist, and I think the New Testament, uh, as well as the Old Testament, gives us a good profile. Uh, Instead of trying to figure out who the Antichrist is, we need to profile his activity, and that will help us identify him.
0: But but we can infer that he's going to be probably handsome and charismatic, right?
1: Oh, I think he'll not only be very handsome and charismatic, I think he'll be very famous. I think he'll be very wealthy. I think he'll have uh, some big political power as well. That's why it'll be so deceptive.
0: And the timing... And, and, oh, let me ask you this about, uh, there is made mention of the Antichrist receiving a mortal head wound and then resurrecting.
1: Talk to me about that. Right. Now, one thing that, uh, I propose in my book too, which is kind of interesting, is could the Antichrist be some kind of human cyborg? I mean they're they're talking about transhumanism now and, and people the brain chips that can go in your head and give you wireless access to the internet. Uh you can simply think about something and find the answer to it. I would not be surprised if the Antichrist had some kind of uh computer enhancements uh to himself as well and he'll he'll receive a head wound it implies and he'll come back to life. I'm I'm not sure You know exactly how that's going to happen, but I I strongly believe that he very well could be a uh, human-cyborg type of Antichrist. Hmm.
0: Well, I I want to circle back to that a little bit later and talk about artificial intelligence and perhaps even the transhumanist movement and how that might play into end times. But uh, what sort of feats will the Antichrist perform Uh, in order to convince people that he is, in fact, you know, the Messiah.
1: Well, one thing that's interesting is when you read about uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet, one of the things they'll be doing is bringing fire down from heaven. Well, see, that's what Elijah did. Elijah brought fire down from heaven. Uh, And when you read about the two witnesses, the two witnesses come across as the global terrorists. Because the two witnesses, which are supposed to be the godly ones, they're stopping water. They're bringing plagues, you know, turning water to blood. Uh, and then so when the false prophet and the Antichrist come on the scene and destroy him, many will believe that they are the Moses and Elijah, and they stop these two terrorists. Uh, so there's going to be all kinds of miracles that are going to be taking place by both uh, the Antichrist, the false prophet, as well as the two witnesses. They'll be doing all kinds of miracles. And how will he,
0: do you suppose, first make his uh, entrance onto the
1: world stage? I think his interest is going to be in killing the, uh, the two witnesses. I, well, as far as that's what I will really be known. I mean, he could be alive and well now, you know. But uh I think one of the things that's going to happen that what we see in Revelation first is these two witnesses who are causing all this devastation. And then we read how uh, the one that ascends from the bottomless pit kills them. And then comes the last half of the tribulation where all hell breaks loose. Of course, the first half, even though it's supposed to be a time of peace and safety, Uh, If that's when the two witnesses are witnessing, they're going to be bringing some devastation to the world.
0: But do you have any sense of whether he will come from the realm of uh, business or government, or will he be a a, a religious figure?
1: I think he'll be, the the Antichrist will probably be from business, government, uh, but the false prophet would be more from uh, religion. Uh, that he'll end up overthrowing. So the the false prophet,
0: is he sort of the equivalent or the antithesis of um, uh, of uh, John, uh, John the Forerunner?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, a very good uh, play, Richard. I think that very well could be. He's the one that wants to introduce the Antichrist. He's the one who makes this image, you know, also of the beast and wants everyone to worship him. Uh, so I think the, the prophet will definitely be a religious person, you know, who is going to be the Antichrist sidekick, so to speak.
0: You know, for many, many years, and I, I go back about 20, uh, almost 30 years in, in talk radio, I started out as a producer, booking guests on various uh, talk radio programs. And I remember way back in the early 90s, there was a gentleman by the name of Benjamin Krem and uh he was uh he wanted to get on any radio station that would have him to talk about this figure called the Maitreya and uh he supposedly was um, uh of middle eastern descent born in i believe east london and uh i am told had sort of a some sort of an, a position at the united nations and uh i talked to a lot of evangelicals who believed that the maitreya may be the Antichrist and that Benjamin Krem was sort of the, the false prophet did you ever hear about Krem and, and the Maitreya and what are your thoughts
1: yes uh, I, I never studied a whole lot I, I am familiar with what you're talking about but not in great detail uh, and, and for me in, in my book I don't really try to identify the Antichrist who it is as well as look at the Antichrist system
0: the Antichrist system that's interesting uh, so there have been more than one,
1: right? Who were, who oh my was, goodness, Yeah. Who were some of the earlier Antichrists? Well, it depends on how far back you want to go. I mean, a lot of people thought it was Mussolini, some thought it was Hitler, some thought it was Obama, some thought it was Trump, I mean, Henry Kissinger, I mean, all those. But if you want to go way back, 2,000 years ago, the Apostle John in his writing says there were many Antichrists back then, and he said they went out from among us. And so that's why I believe that uh, the Antichrist can end up being a professing Christian. Because, uh, you know, even Paul, they're transformed into ministers of righteousness. Satan comes as an angel of light. Uh, And so there have been uh, Antichrists for the last several thousand years. But I think what we have to be aware of is what I uh, call legalized lawlessness. And and that's what what, uh, the Antichrist system is. Does, when the
0: Antichrist... Um, enters the world stage, onto the world stage, will he be aware that he is the Antichrist? Will he be conscious of
1: that? You know, that's an excellent question, Richard. I almost wonder if he won't realize it until after he sees the mortal wound and is resurrected, and that's when he becomes the Antichrist.
0: Ah, upon his resurrection. Fascinating, so set the table here in terms of the the tribulation. walk us through that and to the well to its conclusion with the apocalypse
1: well, sure i you know I believe from the book of Daniel there's a seven year tribulation uh, that has yet to come, a final week. Uh, I believe the first half uh there there will be a false peace, but at the same time that's when you're going to have the two witnesses that are uh, you know, killing people that come against them. But then, after the three and a half years, that's when the, you know, Antichrist comes up out of the abyss, you know, and possesses the, uh, I believe, uh, and the false prophet comes, and they kill the two witnesses, and that's when all hell breaks loose for the last three and a half years. But tell me about this Until the Battle of Armageddon.
0: Right. Tell me about this false peace.
1: Sure. Uh, I mean, what's what's fascinating is here we're about to have revealed in the next month, for heaven's sake, a a new peace agreement in the Middle East. And everyone's, uh, you know, talking about, okay, what's in this Middle East peace agreement? Will it be a two-state solution? Uh, What will happen? Is is this the final seven-year peace agreement that's about to be signed? Well, for me, I want to see the contents. And evidently, they're supposed to release it in June. They're waiting for two things, they're waiting for Ramadan to end, and they're waiting for Pres- uh, uh, Netanyahu to form his government. Uh, and once those two things are done, that's when they're going to release the peace agreement. Uh, and so I think we'll know a little bit more about that. But I think that the false peace is going to be creating uh, either a two-state solution or giving away of the promised land.
0: And in the end times... Talk to me about what is prophesied, about uh, who will align themselves against Israel.
1: Uh, Interesting point. I think a lot of the nations are going to align themselves against Israel. And as a matter of fact, when you talk about the Gog-Magog war, they point out that in Hebrew, every letter is also a numerical value. And the very Hebrew word, Gog and Magog, has a numerical value of 70. And there are 70 nations... Uh, that uh, God had formed in Genesis 10. And so, uh, you know, and Joel, I think it talks about all nations coming against Israel. So uh, there's a chance that every nation could come against Israel at the last time.
0: And what are you seeing presently uh, in the headlines to indicate that, that this is moving forward? You mentioned the the proposed peace talks uh, that, and the agreement that's going to be unveiled in June, or at least the negotiating points. And I I believe it's uh, the president's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, who's really kind of taking the lead on that. But what other uh, things in the headline, stories in the headline, do you look at to suggest that that countries are aligning against Israel? For example, including, let's say, Russia, China.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is huge. Uh, What's going on in Syria, that's the key right now, is what's happening there, uh, and Lebanon with Hezbollah. Uh, there's some very interesting things. I know a major in the IDF who's in charge of the northern border, and he and I were having a discussion. And one of the things that, uh, that he talked about is back in 2006 in the Lebanon war, they only had about 10,000 missiles, Hezbollah did. Now they have 250,000 missiles. Uh, And back then, most of their missiles were stupid, dumb missiles. Now they have about 100,000 smart missiles. And so Israel has two concerns. One of them is they can't be the nice humanitarian response like they did in the past, where they could warn everybody. They could call the Arabs and say, bombs are coming, please move. Or, you know, hey, there's missiles in this building. We're going to attack it. Please move. They're not going to have that ability now. And they, they really believe this time they're, they're going to have to destroy Lebanon, Syria, Iran, no holds barred, just because uh, they don't uh, have the ability, to with enough of the Iron Dome missiles to shoot down the other ones. But the, the other biggest fear he mentioned, uh, I don't know how much you know about the Islamic View of End Times, but uh, many believe that they bring their Messiah or Mahdi by launching a war against Israel. Well, Hassan Nasrallah, the head of Lebanon, is basically on his deathbed. He's got cancer. He had a heart attack. You have Ayatollah Khomeini in Iran, who's like 80 years old, on his deathbed. Uh, They both want to go down in history as the one who brought on the Mahdi. So they want to purposely cause a war, you know, as their dying declaration. And so this is Israel's concern.
0: Now I mentioned Jared Kushner, who is uh, sort of the point man, uh, for, for the United, for the Trump administration on negotiating. Uh, I mean, one could easily argue that the Trump administration has been the greatest friend to Israel that, that, uh, they've had in, in the United States. Uh, so surely, uh, Jared Kushner wouldn't be negotiating a false peace, or would he?
1: See, that's the thing uh when you look at the jews and the different administrations some of the jews are very secular they're they're not religious at all now jared is religious but they're all politicians you know and i don't know how much they really know the bible uh but uh, if if they want to divide the land of israel if they create a two-state solution then it's no holds barred look out judgment is coming uh, but it, so far, it seems to be like you said, though, they don't want a two state solution. They say it's dead. So there's still yet maybe hope. But I hope they don't put a capital in East Jerusalem. They're talking about making all of the Palestinians give them Jordanian citizenship or Egyptian citizenship. Uh, and so they'll just be uh, legal. Res- foreign residents of Israel. They they won't be able to vote in the Israeli elections. They just become citizens of another country, but they get to live in Israel.
0: And do you think that sort of arrangement would be conducive to a real peace, or would that lead to a false peace?
1: Oh, I think it'll lead to a false peace. I, I really do. Uh, so what we'll have to see... I, personally, I think what we're going to see you know I'm not gonna, I'm not prophesying I'm just saying there's probably an 80 percent chance in the next year and a half you're going to see a major war in the Middle East between Iran Lebanon Syria and Israel.
0: The desecration of the holy of holies the yeah. Antichrist will will walk into the third temple and proclaim himself to be the Messiah. Talk to me about you know what that signifies and what will happen as a result.
1: Sure. One thing, I mean, whenever you talk about Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 24, everyone knows that's end time talk. Well, what most people don't know, because most Christians don't know the Jewish roots, Matthew 24 is Hanukkah happening all over again. And it was at Hanukkah around 168 B.C. that they put an abomination of desolation into the temple. They put a statue of Zeus. And 168 years later, Josephus even said that was the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy. But what we have to realize is that which has happened in Ecclesiastes 1.9, it says that which has happened is that which will happen again. There's nothing new under the sun. And so in Matthew 24, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, if you know Hanukkah, you're reading everything he's talking about happened at Hanukkah 168 years earlier. So the disciples are all blind. Oh my goodness, Hanukkah is going to happen again. Abomination of desolation will be put back in the temple again. And of course that happened in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. Uh, but see, history repeats itself. And so I see, uh, there's a good chance that if not a temple, a synagogue will be built on the temple mount here probably within the next couple of years as part of the peace agreement and talking to another Jewish rabbi. I don't want to mention any names in Israel they had mentioned that one of uh, parts of this peace agreement, they may take the Temple Mount uh, control away from Jordan and give it to Saudi Arabia. Uh, now, that would be interesting. And they Saudi Arabia may allow them to put a synagogue there. And, of course, you don't need a temple to do, like, the Passover sacrifices. So uh, we'll just kind of watch and see how it all unfolds.
0: When we come back, we'll talk about the Antichrist and artificial intelligence in a little more detail. Pastor Mark Biltz, my guest, the author of Decoding the Antichrist and the End Times, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us.
1: Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with
0: Richard Sarrant. Decoding the Antichrist and the End Times author, Pastor Mark Biltz, my guest here on The Conspiracy Show. The Antichrist and artificial intelligence, that's obviously a primary focus in the book. We touched on it a little bit earlier. You had mentioned that the Antichrist might, in fact, be part human, part machine, a cyborg. And I'm wondering when I hear that, it reminds me very much of the transhumanist movement and people like Ray Kurzweil, who in their quest for virtual immortality want to merge man and machine. If you do that, if you sort of join league with the transhumanist movement, would that, in your estimation, be like taking the mark of the beast?
1: Is that what that is? I think it's definitely a step toward it, most certainly. Elon Musk, the way he looks at it, he, he's afraid of the AI robots taking over the world against humans. So he's just saying humans have to uh, incorporate and merge with AI computers in order to combat the AI robots. And so for him, it's like he's even warning that an AI dictator could control mankind. Exactly what I'm talking about in my book he's come up with. Uh, and so they have brain chips right now. They want to put in people's brains where they can hook up wirelessly to the Internet. They can just think a thought and they can find the answer from the brain chip in their head. It's crazy.
0: And you mention also things like Alexa and Siri. Alexa, of oh, course, in the, yeah. in the home where you can say, Alexa, you know, turn on the lights. It can control your your home. It can search the Internet for you. Is Alexa and Siri, which, you know, I have on my Apple phone. I don't use it a lot, but I have used Siri to look up, let's say, the latest baseball score or something. Is that satanic in your estimation?
1: No, I don't think anything is satanic, but I think it can be used. Just like a knife can be used to kill someone or to save their life taking out their appendix. The Internet can be a huge blessing or it can be a huge curse, you know. So it depends on uh, the motivation and the intent. But right now, I'm sure, Richard, you've heard of these cars that run by computers. Uh, You don't need a driver. And the whole purpose would be like a Uber where you can get in the back of this taxi that's run by a computer and it drives the route that you say. Well, here's the problem they've decided that this uh, robotic machine that's driving your car for you needs to have morals. And the reason it needs to have morals is because if a deer is running across the road, the computer has to decide who to kill. Does it kill the deer? Does it swerve over to the sidewalk and kill pedestrians? Or does it take the passenger over the cliff and kills them? And so, wow, when you realize that they're creating a moral computer with those kinds of decisions, and then you see in America where they decide that a a wall on the southern border is immoral, but infanticide is okay, who wants that morality deciding if you die, you know, rather than running over a deer?
0: Right, right. The other interesting thing is we have all of these new forms of payment, like PayPal, And uh, we have certain individuals now being banned basically from being able to earn revenue through PayPal because people don't like their points of view. Even we have banks turning people away saying, we don't want to do business with you. And in some cases, these people are Christians. They're simply upholding a
1: conservative viewpoint.
0: What do you make of that? I mean, is that prophesied at all in the Bible?
1: I don't know about being – well, and, and one says partway, but that's what I just talked about at the Perry Stone Conference. I just got into talking about that, how Christian conservatives are going to be blacklisted with the banks, blacklisted with PayPal. We're a nonprofit organization, and we receive payments from PayPal, and PayPal has no competition. If they wanted, they could just cut out all of our revenue, you know, from that source. Uh, and, and then going back to Alexa and Siri – Not only do they create a moral AI for your uh, car, they're creating a moral AI in the Siri and Alexa in your home. So that there's a news article where if all of a sudden you say, you know, to your son, Johnny, you better go to bed or I'm going to spank you. Siri or Alexa will call 911 and report to you. And the next thing you know, the police will be at your door.
0: Oh, my God. That's chilling. Absolutely chilling. I know. So this is part of the Antichrist system, then, that you talk about.
1: And that's my point, yes. And it's all about legalized lawlessness. They believe if they just make something illegal, legal, that justifies it. So let's uh, legalize prostitution, let's legalize drugs, let's legalize, you know, uh, infanticide. And so now it's okay.
0: And and the parallel in, in um, the Old Testament to what's happening now, I mean, I've often I've, I've talked to Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, who you mentioned was at the uh, was at the conference you're speaking with. We talked about the parallels between, uh, or the paradigm he calls it, between uh, Jezebel in the uh, the Northern uh, Kingdom of Israel and Hillary sure. Clinton, for example. So when you see what's going on today, uh, what is the parallel in ancient biblical times?
1: Well, I can't help but think of uh, the Book of Esther and Haman. Uh, they were a very lawful society, but they decided themselves, hey, let's make a law that men can drink all they want. Uh, let's make a law that we can confiscate Basti's estate. Uh, let's make a law for genocide. We just need to make it legal to kill all the Jews, and then it's okay. So it's a repetition of that legalized lawlessness uh, that happens over and over I mean, look at some of the nations, like in Saudi Arabia. I just today, they beheaded a 16-year-old for complaining about something on WhatsApp. Uh, so I mean, it's just barbaric. But they, they make it legal, then it's okay.
0: What is the timing? Uh, how close are we getting to the beginning of the tribulation, the seven-year period?
1: I wouldn't be surprised if it took place, with, if it began in the next couple of years.
0: Is there kind of a biblical clock that you look to?
1: Oh, my goodness, yes, definitely. And I'm glad you brought that up, Richard, because a lot of people, you know, they look at what it says in Matthew 24, how this generation will not pass away until all is fulfilled. And they wonder, well, how long is a generation? That's the big test. Well, I tell you what, the Bible has, you know, different views of how long a generation is. But uh, some people say Noah in his day was 120 years. uh, And then with Abraham, it was 100 years that they would be in uh 400 years, I mean, so a hundred year would be a generation. And then Psalm says 70 years is the generation, and some people say a jubilee year is a generation. Well, guess what? Every one of those four generations were all fulfilled this last year. It was 120 years ago was the first Zionist Congress. A hundred years ago was the Balfour Declaration, saying there needed to be a Jewish state. Seventy years ago, Israel became a nation. Fifty years ago, Jerusalem was recaptured. So in one sense, like four cherries on a slot machine, everything is coming to pass. All these generations are being fulfilled uh, just this last year. And then the ultimate one is Psalm 102. This is where uh, the Bible says, when the Lord builds up Zion, that's when he will appear in his glory. Well, the building up of Zion is what's happening right now, all the settlements. That's what all the Arabs are upset about is all the settlements. And so uh, the next verse in that psalm says, "This is being written for the generation to come." Well, in Hebrew, that word is akaron, which means the last generation, the terminal generation. And so we see ever since uh, Israel captured Jerusalem in 67, that Zion's being built up. And so that generation is the terminal generation. So I believe we're right there.
0: President Trump recently uh, suggested, you know, that the United States should recognize uh, the Golan Heights as Israel's uh, territory. This was territory that they conquered in in uh, in 1967. It has great strategic importance because uh, it was kind of a launching pad for the Syrians during the uh, the Six Day War, Uh, and of course, it's a mountainous area that overlooks a a number of Jewish settlements. So it is of great strategic importance. Uh, if the United States were to recognize the Golan Heights as as part of uh, Israeli territory, um, is, is, that, is that prophesied also in the
1: Bible? Well, uh, the Bible does prophesy that Israel is going to get all their land back. So in one sense, uh, yes. Uh, one of the interesting things, I think it's in Zechariah 1 and 2, where it talks about the Gaza Strip. Uh, how Israel will forsake the Gaza Strip, the Arabs will take it over, but then God's gonna bring some kind of, a kind of a tsunami or earthquake or something and they'll all be removed and then Judah or Israel will get that territory back. Uh, and as far as timing goes, get, and tied to the book of Revelation, get a little bit of this picture, the, the whole, the four horsemen of Revelation 6 is uh, also talked about in Zechariah 6. And in Zechariah 1, it talks about the red horse of war. And guess when the vision of the red horse of war took place in Zechariah 1? It was at the end of the 70 years of the Babylonian captivity at the end of the second year of Darius. Well, here we are. Look at this pattern. We just ended the 70th year of Israel being a nation, and we just ended the second year of Trump's administration, who is considered a type of Cyrus who wants to, you know, rebuild the temple and and all of this. So, again, as far as the timing and the patterns, there's a good chance we could see the Red Horse of War take place this year or next.
0: Let's take a quick time out. We'll come back. Maybe we can talk about the other 3 horsemen of the apocalypse and times and uh, decoding the antichrist with Pastor Mark Biltz. Right here on the conspiracy show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. <laughs>
1: Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett.
0: Pastor Mark Biltz, my guest, the author of Decoding <coughs> the Antichrist in the End Times, What the Bible Says and What the Future Holds. You mentioned uh, one of the four horsemen, uh, and this was the, uh, the red horseman of war. Uh, talk to me about the other three horsemen that appear on the scene during the end times.
1: Sure. Uh, well, in Revelation 6, it's a different order than it is in uh, Zechariah 6. In Revelation, the first one you have is the, the white horse, uh, where there's a like a king on it uh, with a, a bow, and he's coming forth to conquer, you know. So that is the first one. Uh, and then you also have uh, the black horse, which is like famine and death. You know, so that's also coming, and and I see there's a good chance things like that. I mean, when you look at uh, some of these plagues that are already taking place, my goodness, uh, you have uh, Ebola is on the rise, measles is on the rise, uh, all of these things, uh, and then of course you have. Uh, I'm I'm here right now in Revelation six. <clears throat> so yeah, the first one was white. The second one uh, is the red horse of war. Uh, and then it has the third one uh, is the black horse and then uh finally, there is a, a, another one uh, and uh, when he opens that it 's like a pale horse with death and hell following him uh, and, and so a fourth part of the earth is killed the sword and famine and death, and all the wild beasts of the earth so uh I think that always follows war. You're going to find uh, when there's no food, uh, people are going to have famine, then there's going to be death, and the wild beasts going to look for people to eat. But uh, I, I believe the red horse is going to come first, as according to Zechariah, which is the red horse of war.
0: And are those precursors uh, to the, the final battle of Armageddon?
1: I think they, they could be the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. I think that, I think they'll take place over the seven years, all four horses. I don't know if there's like a year or two in between each one or what, but uh, I see them uh, transpiring from the beginning all the way through. And and those are just metaphors, or are they?
0: Will there literally be, will people literally see, uh, you know, a pale horseman?
1: Right. Well, it could be both. You know, what's fascinating, Richard, is, you know, in Christianity, many people think there's only one correct answer. In Judaism, there's 70 answers. There's seven different layers, layers. kind of like if you're on the ocean. Some are seeing the ocean from the boat, some from, you know, swimming, some from snorkeling, and some from deep-sea diving. Well, the Bible is the same way. There can be many levels of interpretation. I think some of it is allegorical, uh, but then also some of it could be, you know, physical. Uh, and so for me it 's rather than being set and it has to be this way or that way. I just keep my eyes open for all possibilities
0: some there is a school of thought that the the end times the you know the battle of the final battle of good and evil will be very localized. it will be localized to the Holy Land, the Middle East, others think it will be worldwide. What are your thoughts
1: on that I think it's both. I think the focus will definitely be uh, the Middle East, but I think the consequences will be worldwide. But the Bible says in Zechariah 14 that many nations are going to survive all this. There will be humans who survive the tribulation, and in Zechariah 14 it says, then all the nations that have survivors, they have to come up every year to keep the feast and Tabernacles around September, October, otherwise they'll get the plague and no rain. So uh, I believe overall the focus will be the Middle East, and yet there will be consequences worldwide.
0: And when the the, at the height of the tribulation, uh, you know, when we go through what's what are called Jacob's troubles. Yes. uh, Paint me a picture, horrific as it might be.
1: Well, Jacob uh, is another name for Israel. Jacob became Israel. Now, some uh, Orthodox Jews I talked to said Jacob's troubles already happened as far as they concerned, and that was Hitler and the Holocaust, and so now it's the Gentiles' turn. Uh, but I, I believe that uh, while that may very well be true, uh, Jerusalem still is going to be trampled under feet uh, by the Gentiles, and there's still another major problem coming to Israel as God cleanses that nation. So, uh, you know, I see that happening.
0: But in terms of... Uh, you know, the, the and, and the final battle of of good and evil between good and evil. Uh, what kind of what kind of forces uh, you know are going to be battling? Not just flesh and bone, obviously.
1: Oh my goodness! Yeah, because what's on Earth is patterned after what's in the heavenlies. I believe there's a big battle that's going to be going on in the heavenlies, and then we're going to see the physical manifestation uh, here on Earth, and it's going to be a matter of. Uh, an earthly kingdom versus God's heavenly kingdom uh, and he's coming on earth to rule and reign for a thousand years Uh, and so all the nations will uh, be put into subjection to him very shortly.
0: All right, we'll take one final time out, come back and finish up with Mark Biltz, the author of Decoding the Antichrist right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Mark Biltz is with me, the author of Decoding the Antichrist and the Antichrist.
1: You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrant. Mark Biltz
0: is with me, the author of Decoding the Antichrist and the End Times, What the Bible Says and What the Future Holds. Uh, before we proceed, uh, Pastor, how do people get a copy of the book, and where can they get more information on your ministry?
1: Oh, great, Yeah, Well, they can just Google my name, Mark Biltz, and one of the first websites will come up will be ours, which is El Shaddai Ministry. Uh, and if they want, they can just Google www.ElShadaiMinistries.us for United States. they come right to our website. And we have a bookstore online where they can get the book. They can also get it uh, at ChristianBookDistributors.com. That'll be cheaper mailing for those in Canada. Uh, or Amazon, I believe, also carries the book.
0: What do you say to uh, skeptics who don't believe in an antichrist, uh, they, they don't believe in an end times. What would you say to them uh, in an attempt to convince them?
1: Well, basically, I start off saying then they're fulfilling prophecy because there was a prophecy that that would happen. <laughs> you know, so I say, hey, great, you're a living part of prophecy. Let me show you the, uh, that people think that. But what I like to do is usually people that think that are people who don't even believe in God. Uh, now, there are some who believe in God that say, oh, he's not coming back for another million years. Well, for one thing, it doesn't matter if you die tomorrow, uh, you know, uh, whether he comes in a year or 10 years, that's not going to matter for you as an individual. But uh, there's a, there's a lot of ways that I have to convince people in the reality of God uh, and the fact that he's coming back very soon.
0: Now, a very controversial. I won't say controversial, but it's different um sects within the Christian world uh differ on this point, and that has to do with something called the tribulation. the idea that that God, uh, that um, uh, bible believing Christians will be spared uh the tribulation or the you know the, the uh, well the tribulation and jacob's troubles because they will be um they will be sort of raptured. Swept, yes raptured and swept up into heaven. What do you stand on the uh, on this idea of the rapture?
1: Well, as far as Bible believing Christians won't experience tribulation, go tell that to the ones in China uh, who are experiencing massive persecution and tribulation. You know, so uh, as far as the, I believe in the resurrection of the dead. I believe that it will happen on the Feast of Trumpets some year. But when people say rapture, that implies timing. We will be taken out at the beginning of the tribulation, the middle of the tribulation, or the end of the tribulation. Uh, and, and I think part of the problem within Christianity uh, is they they don't care about God's kingdom. They don't care about people's lives. They just want to get the heck out of here. You know for for me i just i don't I don't care if it's a pre mid or post I know I just don't want to die before I finish the mission that God has for me, and if God has my mission to be here during the tribulation, well, hey, I believe this is the Super Bowl of human history. Everyone's looking at it to this time for me, it's don't take me out of the game coach, put me in <laughs> you know we're all going to die anyway if I'm going to die, I want to go down swing not hiding behind a rock.
0: Well, what's, what's the tribulation going to be like for Christians, let's say, living in North America?
1: Well, I I think a lot of the people are going to be deceived. They're going to get swept up, and the Bible says God's going to bring this strong delusion because they do not love the truth, and they want to believe this lie. So I think it it, it, uh, very well could be bad. You know, I don't know how bad it is in Canada, but they're really trying to push socialism here in the United States. Uh, And if that happens, we are really going to be in trouble. And and I think the Christians need to realize we're like the frogs in the boiling pot of water right now in the United States. States. Uh, And I think I I talked to a good friend of mine who's a Muslim that got saved recently because the Lord appeared to him on his deathbed and he got radically saved. And I asked him if he felt like the church in the United States was asleep. And he said, no, it's worse than that. They're in a coma. And uh, I thought that was rather humorous, but I I believe it's true. So many of the churches here in the United States are all seeker friendly. Uh, They just want to dumb everything down, make everybody feel good. And the pastors become more life coaches, uh, than they do uh you know prophets and and trying to help people draw close to God,
0: well, we hear these horrific depictions uh of you know Christians being beheaded on mass. could that happen yes. here in- Nor- in north America
1: oh well, I think it could, but it have i'm not- I'm not thinking it's going to happen in the next year or two, but I wouldn't put uh, anything past the uh, you know within the next ten years. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that did happen
0: and the the mark of the beast. Let's get back to that for a second. Do you have any 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 sense on what that mark will be? Will it be? Uh, some people think it's a barcode on the, on the uh, on the palm of your hand or on your forehead in order to buy or sell. I mean, that's that's kind of a literal uh, translation, perhaps. What do you think the mark will be?
1: Well, what's interesting is death, and, and I go into this uh, book of mine. I really think King Solomon is a type of Antichrist, not Christ when it talks in Revelation about uh, it's the number of a man and the number is 666, and it says here's wisdom. Well, Solomon is the only one associated with wisdom, and guess how much gold came into Solomon every year? 666, 666 talents of gold. So it's interesting, in Greek, every number is also a letter. And when people read the book of Revelation and they see the number 666, It's not Roman numerals. It's spelled out. It's a words. And in the Greek, the words are T, C, stigma. So it's it's not speaking of a Roman numeral 666 or a barcode. The word in Greek means to receive a cut or an incision as proof of ownership, and, and so I, I believe it could be receiving some kind of a chip in in the you know in the for in the brain or in the hand uh, where they're not going to allow you to buy or sell. You know, it's uh, that that's what I believe is going to be happening.
0: And uh, those who refuse to take the mark will will be forced, I guess, to <clears throat> basically fend for themselves, right?
1: Yeah, they won't be able to buy or sell. What are they going to do for food? They better be able to. Have their own water well and, uh, have a bunch of food stored up or something. But it's, uh, the Chinese social credit score is incredible because what they're doing, they're not, al- they have uh, over a million, tens of millions of artificial intelligent cameras that are watching every single person do everything. And if, if, if you don't have a bad social media score, you're not allowed to even have a pet. They've already prevented millions of Chinese people from getting on a plane getting on a train uh and and I believe with the socialism uh if a certain you know people in the government get in control they're gonna matter of fact, there's a Democrat running for president out of New York named Andrew yang and he says on his website he wants to implement the Chinese social credit score here in America and if we end up going that route, they're going to determine uh, you know who can. Travel and who can't? And so the Christians will really be in the bind. How should Christians prepare? Well, I think the biggest thing, Richard, really is to draw close to the Lord. We have to realize we can't, I mean, we need to do whatever we can do practically to prepare. But the most important thing we need to do is to have knowledge, to wake up, to realize where we're at, and to be spiritually prepared more than anything, and draw close to the Lord and make sure your kids are drawn close. Because the millennials, that generation of the millennials, they're so far from God and have left church, if we're going to win them back, uh, we need to um, have the right tools to know how to reach them.
0: And uh, if Christians survive the seven years of tribulation and the the
1: Battle of Armageddon, uh, what then? Well, then the Lord's going to be here, and he's going to rule and reign, and I can hardly wait for that to happen. Uh, righteousness will prevail it says that the knowledge of God will be as the waters cover the sea uh, and so then once the Lord is here physically on the planet and he's in control then I think it's going to be a whole lot better for everybody
0: Once again, how do we get a copy of Decoding the
1: Antichrist and the End Times? Yes, thank you. You can uh, Google my name, Mark Biltz, uh, on Amazon and get it from Amazon. You can get it from Christian Book Distributor, CBD.com. You can also go directly to our website, lcdiministries.us, and get the book.
0: Pastor Biltz, thank you so much uh, for this, as always. Be well. All right. Thank you so much, Richard. Joshua P. Warren is next to discuss Parasymatics and Sigils.